Hi, and welcome back to the Coffee and Foils podcast. I'm your host, Simone, and I'm so happy you're here. Joining me today is Megan to discuss how her dreams of looking like a natural redhead were almost crushed from years of colorists not getting it right. Keep listening to hear Megan's thoughts on how stronger consultations can positively change the outcome and how that can help to build trust in a stylist-client relationship. Hi, Megan. Thanks for joining me today. Hi, how are you? Thank you for having me. I'm so excited that you're here. Um, When I got the idea for the podcast, I thought you would be great on it for sure because you have a long history of people not getting the correct tone of your red the hair. The tone. It's, yeah. It was entirely, yes. Yeah. So I thought, yeah. uh, considering where this podcast is going, that your story would be a good one. So if you could kind of go back to the beginning of maybe when you started going red and what happened from there and how you got to a good place. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, I think foils is pretty appropriate because I think that's what I sit for the most. Um, so, um, you know, I think my fascination with red hair obviously came, um, you know, from my mom having red hair. I think that's, um, a lot of people who really love red have like a family member or a celebrity or somebody who they like know who they're like, I want to look just like that person. Um, it also didn't help that I grew up in the age of Ariel. Um, so I remember my mom has a story about me like sitting in her bed one morning when I woke up and like stroking her hair and going pretty. Um, so I think this is just like, she was, and I think she said that's the moment she knew I was going to dye my hair red at the first possible opportunity. Um, so I remember middle school fights about like dyeing my hair. I remember like rebelliously dyeing other people's hair whatever that I thought would get me out of life. Um, Cause I knew like it was not something I could box dye red myself, but whenever my friends wanted to dye their hair to piss off their parents, that was the person who did it. Sounds um, good. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I remember like sitting, you know, and just trying to figure out like um, they used to have back in the day, like some cover girl had some weird like foam mousse or L'Oreal had it um, that you could do to like dye over your hair. And I was like cutting that out of magazines. Finally, my mom like caved and let my grandma take me to get highlights for the first time. And then they were like caramel. I had like tiger stripes. Oh, so like my first real red, I think was probably... It must have been before I was 16 because it was definitely before I met my husband and because he always knew me with red hair and I, that became my thing. Um, so my mom's a natural redhead. I live in a family of Irish people with natural red hair. And for some reason, it is very difficult to explain to people when you want red hair and you have dark hair and dark features and you look kind of, I mean, I look pretty Italian. I look like my dad's side of the family. Um, I think people were getting like lost in the translation of me wanting red hair because my mother looks like a leprechaun and you know <laughs> them thinking like she wants auburn like you know like a deep rich red and i was like no warm red um so but i didn't know that back then so here i am sitting there going why isn't this what i'm looking for why is it fading to these weird colors like i do not like anything about this and occasionally I went all over the place because I would go with like my grandma or whoever I was with at the time. I was in high school and then I was in college and just coming home. So I wasn't really consistently going anywhere either. So I feel like sometimes I had really great red, sometimes I didn't. And it was just like, I couldn't tell what the deal was. Um, And then 
after a while, I want to say like by the time I started law school, it was just a constant stream of everybody trying to give me this like purple red hair. And I'm pretty into makeup. So I started noticing that the undertone was like a bluish undertone, which was a cool red, um, as I have now been told. <laughs> and then, um, you know, and I really wanted that orangey undertone, which is really that warm, like, you know, rich red that I had known my whole life and seen on people my whole life. Um, and to me just felt like something that, you know, my, I guess my general face, like I thought like my coloring was always very dark and I didn't love that. Um, my natural hair color is really dark brown, like pretty deep, not black, but almost there. Um, so, you know, for me, like warming that up and, and, you know, kind of taking away what I call my snow white vibe, um, uh, was really the goal. And I don't think I was getting that. And I was getting really frustrated. Um, and then I went to my current stylist because I had seen on Instagram just like countless people that she had done who were red. And I don't know that like red was like her favorite thing in the entire world that she was doing at the time. Like I know she does blondes and she does brunettes and she kind of does everything. But I just noticed every time she did a red, I really enjoyed like how it came out. And I thought to myself, this is somebody who maybe gets it. Um, so I went in and, you know, she really like talked to me just about what I was looking for and why I was unhappy, as I had mentioned that. And there was just a lot of questions, you know, like, what am I looking for? And, you know, why do I want red? And I'm showing her pictures that I have from Pinterest for inspiration, because I think we all do that now. And, um, you know, and she was asking, what do you like about this color? And like, what you know, what do you see in this picture and why are you drawn to it and things like that. And we sort of teased out um, what I'd been looking for for so long. But I think the problem was, is just like nobody was asking questions. And I noticed that, you know, over time, as I started going to her more and more and we started teasing out, like whenever I wanted to make tweaks and changes, she would like really ask some, you know, specific questions. And I started realizing like nobody was asking me much of anything beyond like, okay, you want red, you've had red before, like, you know, you know that red like washes out easily, like, but they weren't asking me questions. They were just telling me facts. Um, and I think that was, you know, pretty much the problem is like, you know, I would show them a picture. They would just, you know, make their own assumptions and that was it. Like she would show me samples, um, you know, and bring over different things and say, okay, of these, which do you like? It was kind of like one of those eye tests that I do, um, <laughs> you know, where they're like, which one's better left or right. Um, but <laughs> you know, that's really helpful, like, to really break down, you know, what are the tones this person's, you know, that are resonating with this person, um, and then also being honest about what you can get me to, because a lot of people weren't honest about that either, you know, I came in with a picture that I think oftentimes I have, um, you know, I have champagne dreams, um, <laughs> and I'm going in there thinking, like, you know, the world is going to change in one sitting, um, and it definitely doesn't, and that's okay, but the right person will ask the right questions and get you to places and stages that you're comfortable with along the way, too. So, you know, you may not get everything you're looking for out of the first visit, but they're taking you on a journey with your hair that at least you're going to be happy at the end of every visit and between your visits. So I think that's, you know, something that I really um, have learned from, like, you know, my current relationship with my um, styles. Well, thanks. That was like a lot, but yeah. (laughs) Very thorough. I love it. Um, I mean, it definitely sounds like you kind of like ran the gamut of reds, right? And 
going back yes. to kind of how it started was you were just, I just want to clarify, like you were sitting in someone's chair and saying, I want to be read. And they were like, okay, cool. And they just made you read. Like if there were any questions, it wasn't much more than that. Right. And no, you didn't know because you were so young to even, you probably didn't even realize that there could be other reds because you were so used no. to the natural reds in your family. Exactly. Right. I mean, an undertone of blue. I mean, when you live in a family, you know, who's just like, I mean, it's all Irish people all the time. <laughs> a, a blue undertone red is just like, I would leave this long going, what happened? And yeah. I didn't, I didn't know. I yeah. knew nothing. It kind of seems blasphemous for you to show up to yes. like a function in God, a cool yeah. when everybody else is kind of like a carrot top or like a strawberry right? A hundred and ten percent. And, you know, I think for me, that was like the biggest, like, it was a reason I was unhappy, but I didn't know enough to know why I was unhappy. I just knew I was unhappy. It was just, and no I think that's part of it. Right? Like you were just, no one's getting it right. I don't understand. I'm asking for red. This is like kind of red, but it's not the red that I'm talking about. And just nobody mm. was asking you the questions. Like nobody was diving. I, mean, I guess they were like, no, nobody was really diving deep. I mean, I'd show them something. The only weird deviation I ever had from like wanting um, like a like warm natural red was occasionally I did want like fire engine red highlights just to like break up the monotony because I was, what, 1920? And I said, you know, I'm going to do something super cool. Um, <laughs> whatever that was at the time. Um but I mean, even when I did fire engine red, I mean, the, the warm undertone is, you know, still within that. You, it's still achievable within, you know, that spectrum. And I think the time I did those highlights, they did fade the best of anything I had done. Um, I think because they did have to abandon that whole, like, cool red situation to get to where I wanted with that. Um, but I think that's the only reason it ended up the way it did. It was a fluke more so than, you know, a direct question. And when I was unhappy with it, I also didn't always say I was unhappy with it. Okay. So I just said I wanted red and I would go into the salon and I'd say, Hey, you know, I just, I, you know, I, I do red, okay. you know, I don't know what the problem was with it, but, and by then it may have faded or maybe I wasn't keeping up with appointments. So I wasn't really like, going in there outraged or anything but you know I was just like oh god I pay all this money and like I never end up liking the results but like right you know would just keep going and hoping somebody eventually got it right so when you went to somebody who gave you red but it wasn't the right red did you go back to them I probably did but it was generally because it was somebody that like somebody in my family was like taking me to again it okay. wasn't necessarily because I was sitting there going, oh, I want to go back to this person. It was okay. more because like the decision wasn't in my hands. Okay. It was more like you needed your hair done. Something was better than nothing. And I was home from a break or something and I just needed, yeah. Okay. That was pretty much it. So what about like after college when things kind of started to be more your choice? What happened then? So like towards the end of law school, like we were doing the bar exam and everything got crazy. And I had decided, and my husband like loves my natural hair color for whatever reason. Okay. I'm sure this is a problem many people would love to have. It is not in my case, but um, our constant argument has always been that he just wants me to have brown hair. And <laughs> I don't. 
So, but I gave it a shot for a little while and I was like, yeah, let's see what my color is anymore. I don't even know what hair color I have. I don't truly don't remember what it actually looks like. So I grew it out for probably two years or so. Um, and then, uh, we moved home, I got a job and then I was like, when I started working, I was like, I have a little disposable income again. Let me get my hair done. And, (laughs) and I ran into the same problem I had always had, which was, you know, I just, they saw my dark brown hair, I'm assuming. And when I said I wanted like to go more red, they just said, oh, we'll just slap any red on there because she said she wants red and we'll just pick whichever one we think works with her skin tone hair etc etc um and I don't I think it's a lot of like assuming about like what I wanted versus like what they thought would be good and what they thought would be achievable and kind of they did a lot of I think legwork in their head about you know what it what it was I was actually asking for and what they wanted to do yeah um and it wasn't a lot of conversation And so then I started going, I think I went to two different places once I moved home and I sort of gave up until I found my current stylist because I was just like, I can't deal with this. I don't like it. And why am I bothering? And all of that is really interesting to me that, I mean, I've come across a lot of clients in my chair that went through similar things, maybe not with red, but with uh, people saying, oh, my last stylist never asked me questions or showed me swatches or, and I'm always like, really? And like, I know everybody has their own consultation style. Um, But the fact that it sounds like you went to so many people because, because you were in different locations or different points in your life. And the facts that like, I don't know, let's just throw a number out there. It sounds like you went to 10 different people, right? Like a a number and 10 different people didn't get to the bottom of it. And some people got it right almost by accident, right? Yes. A lot of people yeah. got it wrong. Mm-hmm. And none of them asked questions. And that just blows my mind. So one thing that I'm hoping to achieve with this podcast is if there are any like young hairdressers listening or anybody listening who wants to work on customer service or building their clientele or get better with consultations, it's why are you all doing this? Like why why is everyone not asking the questions? And I like to think that I consult with my clients every single time. And I've taken classes where they talk about consultations and you know, it's like a a big room of hairdressers and it's like, you know, the educator is like, okay, show of hands, who consults with their clients every single time? And I'm always just like, Yeah, my hands up and I'm looking around. I'm like, why is why is no one's hand up? And it doesn't yeah. make any sense. Like I would never like mix a color before someone walks in the door. I, I don't even, like, I don't it's even, it's not I Starbucks. My colors. <laughs> right? Like, oh, your usual, I see you coming in. Yeah. yeah. Here's your latte. Here's your pike. Oh my God. Okay. Yes. You no, know, it is. It's not that. And things change and color phase and people's circumstances change and people's lifestyles or budgets or I, I have no idea what changes from four weeks to the next with my clients. So I'm never going to assume they want the same thing. That's when you get stagnant as a stylist. And especially when it's someone new, I'm never going to, I'm never going to have them sit in my chair and have them say that their color is okay, but it could be better. 
and then not dive in and ask them a million questions to like blow them out of the water. Like that is my job. I want people to be so impressed. 100%. Never go anywhere else. How are more people not doing this? So if anybody out there is listening, take note of this episode because I think this is so, so important that you saw so many individuals that did not ask questions. Mind-blowing. Yeah. A hundred percent. And the thing that I, you know, I really think is a good takeaway there is, you know, people's circumstances do change. The, the why is, you know, it, it could change from day to day. But also, like, I mean, I think the whole part of this business is, you know, you want your clients to be loyal and come back. So why, you know, you said you want to blow them out of the water. I think you should want to blow them out of the water every time. I mean, yeah. I think you know, there's no reason for, you know, a simple, you know, a couple of simple questions that you could ask, you know, yes, is it a time saver to do stuff in advance? Probably. But, you know, at the end of the day, if they don't come back, was that time saving really worth it? Yeah. No. So, you know, maybe less, um, you know, monotony, you know, just doing the same thing over and over again. And also like, I mean, keep it exciting for the client too. I like when we tweak things, you know, I came in one day and I said, you know, I was feeling a fall vibe and I was like, how, how can we do pumpkin spice, but on my head? Like, I just, you know, like doing something a little different, you know, where it was still in the same color family, but I was like, I kind of just want to like punch it up this time. Um, you know, or I want to tweak something. Um, you know, and I know that like my stylist is always comfortable with me coming in and like asking questions and I sit there and I go, I know you're going to tell me no, but, and it's fine if she does, because I want her to be honest with me. And that's one of the things that that's, you know, what's created a really great relationship is the fact that like, I know she will tell me no, if it's absolutely insane and not achievable, because I'm not going to like, she doesn't want me to think like, Hey, this is going to like blow it out of the water. Like you said, and like, it, there's no delivery on that. You know, there's no way I'm going to get to that point. And that's fine. Like setting expectations is huge too. And telling me you know, maybe you won't come out of this this time with that color, but like, let's give it, you know, it might take three or four visits, but you're going to get where you want to be so that I know when I leave, like we're on the path to that. Because if I'm a client and I don't know that, like, what if I don't come back because I didn't get what, you know, was promised to me or what we discussed on the first visit? Like, you know, nobody ever told me it'll take multiple visits to get where I want to be. Nobody for anything I've ever done. And I had all sorts of hair color and craziness going on for what, from 16 to 24. I mean, that's a lot of years for nobody to ever tell me you can't get what you want in one visit. Yeah. And some of the things I was asking for, I could not have gotten in one visit. And I was understandably like disappointed when I left thinking I was going to get something that didn't happen. Yeah. Cause if someone doesn't tell you any different, you can't change. How would I know? You're, you don't know how to do hair. So you're like, oh, oh. This, this person is a wizard and they're going to like wave their magic wand over my head and I'm going to get what I want. And then they wave their magic wand and their wand is broken. And like, you don't walk out with what mm -hmm. they told you you could have. I mean, things happen. Yes. But honesty for sure has to be there. So yeah, that yeah. trust is really built. And, yeah. you know, I think that trust is really built over that, you know, I, I, I run, you know, events where we like talk about communication foundations and like that is a huge thing in this too. I'm thinking about it right now. I was just writing something the other day, but you know, communication foundations, like having, starting on a good foot and like having that communication and building that trust 
is going to take you so much further, I think, with a client, you know, at least in my, you know, as a client myself, like that's what has taken me further and kept me with the same person for as long as I have been um, is because, you know, it's, there's that trust there. I feel like I can discuss something and I'm not going to leave with like my expectations dashed. Um, I think, and I, I'm willing to try new things too. I think that's really strong. And, you know, that's kind of the whole point of this, right? Is um, I'm a stylist with multiple perspectives and I only know about life from one side of the chair, right? It's been 1 million years since I was a true client somewhere. And like, maybe the only way that I'm ever a client is like getting a massage or like occasionally yeah. getting my nails done. But those are very different experiences than getting your hair done. So like, this is kind of like uh, opening up mystery doors for me having these conversations because I'm like, what are the clients thinking when they sit in the chair? <laughs> or like, um, when someone says that they've had a really long history of someone not getting their hair right, like what does that mean? So I love being able to have this conversation. And uh, I don't know if you had said it or if when you were saying something, I thought of this, but mm -hmm. I feel like more often than not, it's redheads that have a little bit of PTSD with color. And oh, 100%. Most of the time I find redheads are like they were naturally red most of the time. Naturally red generally starting <laughs> to go gray so their hair is turning more brown and they want to go back to their natural color. And even though you aren't a natural redhead, you come from a family who is. So it's almost kind of the same thing, right? Because you're chasing yes. a color that you've seen around you your whole life in the same way that a redhead is chasing the color that they had from childhood. And yes. I feel like almost everybody comes in and it's a similar situation to you. Like they were getting too much of a purple red or they were getting too much of a brown red or they were getting like literally orange, like the color of fire. <laughs> yes. And, and like a natural red is definitely a hard red to get, but it's percent. It seems like it's, it's being chalked up to people just not asking the right questions. And maybe if all these people, these hairdressers had asked the right questions, nobody would have this PTSD. A hundred percent. I think, you know, the reason I ended up getting like so gun shy about the whole red thing and going back to the brown, I mean, cause I just had PTSD. Like I was just sitting there going, I mean, I don't say that lightly, but like, I mean, I just had, um, you know, this feeling like, okay, like every time I did it, it was kind of like I flinched, you know, almost, but it wasn't going to be what I wanted it to be. And, you know, I just steeled myself for the results yeah. and knew that it probably wasn't going to be what I wanted. But, you know, I think, especially when you grow up in a family of redheads too, I think, you know, one of the things that people who are looking for a natural red um, here all the time is like, you can't get them from a bottle. I think I must've heard that like 8,000 <laughs> times growing up. Okay. And I think that's another thing that makes you nervous when you go in is like, you know, when you start having bad experiences and people say you can't get that from a bottle, like, are you just going in with unrealistic expectations? Are you just never going to get what you want? Should you just stop trying? Yeah. You know, and that's, and that's, you know, really, you know, the, the problem that I think people have. And it's like, you could be really happy, but like, you know, if people aren't asking the right questions, you start to, you know, believe the hype. Um, Whereas I have family members who are, you know, 
were redheads started to fade are getting it colored and it looks absolutely amazing um you know and i think that's you know just a testament to like who they're using and people asking the right questions and i know it took them a while to find people as well um you know and just making sure that you know that's it's really discussed you know where they were at and what they're aiming for and they just don't they don't want to just be any old red you know they're really looking to you know get back to whatever they were at right yeah um and i think yeah i mean and i think we were talking about like the same thing happened with my haircuts i mean i you know wanted shorter hair and then people would ask like two questions and that would be it um and they wouldn't ask you know how do you do like i don't style my hair and that i think blows some people's minds and especially if you're a stylist i assume that like you're used to people who style their hair outside of you know your salon and don't only see a blow dryer when they come in um however that is my life and i don't see a blow dryer until i walk into a salon and then i don't see it again until the next time i go into a salon like i have no notion of how to do my hair um on my own and it just kind of does its own thing and nobody was asking that and nobody was realizing that like the haircuts that they were giving me were great if i styled it the way they did it which i was never gonna do and they would have known had they asked the questions so i had to start you know at a certain point prefacing you know any haircuts and i really didn't do very much you know cutting um i had a couple of haircuts in high school that have graced the yearbook that will be immortalized forever um, with god-awful short haircuts. Um, and for me, short is very different than what it is for everybody else. I'm sure everyone knows this. Um, <laughs> but, you know, most people think of short hair as, like, above the sh- I think short hair is still, like, below the shoulders, but you're coming from somebody who in fifth grade had her hair down to her butt. So, yeah, that and that's where I would like to keep it. Um, but, you know, occasionally I've wanted to change it up, and I, I spent years regretting it so I think you know it took that took me forever to get back to a place where I would let anybody cut my hair so I mean just nobody asking questions and me being like mortified because I don't know how to do my hair and it's not something that's just an easy learned skill um so you know, and my natural hair would like frame my face. And I always think I have like very pronounced cheeks. And when it would start to frame my face and like curve around, because that's the way my hair dried, which you would have known, like if you had paid attention, I guess, and asked me questions about like what happened with my hair when I walked in. Um, And it just made my face look really round. And then I, in pictures, it was just not a look I liked. I don't know if it looked as terrible as I think it did, but as the owner of said face, I thought it looked terrible. Um, and, you know, and I was really unhappy with that. And nobody really thought to ask me, like, okay, you did a short haircut. What didn't you like about it? And, like, what changed? And, you know, what was different about, you know, how does your hair dry? What do you use? Do you use products? Like, do you do this? Do you do that? There's things that you could do to, like, change up how it's going to look when it dries. Um you know, are you going to be able to do any of these? What's your maintenance going to be like? Um, and I think that was like the biggest problem. Like flat ironing my hair does not work. My hair does not react to anything ever the way it's supposed to. And if I had people asking me questions earlier in life, I think I would have sussed this out earlier. I think it took until I was like almost 30 to start sussing out what my hair is. And then I had a baby and now it's not even that anymore, but I'm more attuned to it now. Yeah. And I think about it more. 
and I pay attention. So I think that's, you know, huge. I think my hair now is, uh, I think it's like, what is that? The little Nas song where it's like, I didn't peak in high school. I think my hair is getting cuter. Like, I think it is, um, you know, it definitely didn't. If I have a peak in high school, we got a big problem. Um, but I think, you know, there's just th- that conversation that needs to happen. Um, you know, even around, you know, just the haircut and simple questions. I think don't make assumptions is like probably like my biggest advice that I would give, because I think a lot of people just assumed knowing that I go in and I get my hair done and I wear makeup and I get my nails done and all the stuff that I'm like a super girly girl and I'm not at all. And I think that's an assumption a lot of people make about me probably off the bat. And, um, yeah. And I think people like are always surprised to hear, like, I don't touch my hair because I don't have time and I don't care enough. Um, (laughs) so yeah. It's pretty incredible that as someone who has literally never done hair in her life, as in you, uh, that when you're hitting the nail on the head of all the questions that people should be asking. And I have to wonder, now obviously your history is unique to you, but I have to wonder how many people sit in chairs across the world hoping someone will ask those questions and then they don't. And because of like social anxieties and people pleasing, mm-hmm. those things, they're sitting there with their mouth shut like, oh God, please ask me that question. And they don't ask the question. And they're just like, okay, fingers crossed. This is going to turn out great anyway. So people know the questions that they yep. should be asking. Maybe not always, but I think people hit a point where they're like, they should have asked me this. How come they didn't ask me um, how I style my hair or how come they just did what they wanted? Mm-hmm. They didn't check with me. And the fact that like you just sat here and nailed a consultation, <laughs> like, <laughs> you don't do hair. I'm just like, how does this happen left and right? And, you know, from my perspective, sometimes I think it's people are rushed. I also think Mm -hmm. sometimes it's ego. Hairdressers are known Mm -hmm. to have egos, which is, I know what I'm doing. You don't (laughs) leave it up to the professional, right? Mm -hmm. And I don't know many people like that, but I've known of people like that. I've known of people like that too. Yeah. And I think a lot of those things are what ends up happening or, or yep. just a lack of knowledge of what to ask. And also sometimes yeah. when someone comes in, like what you're saying, people make assumptions. You come in, your makeup's done, your nails are done. Maybe you're like under a cape and they can't even see how you're dressed and they're just assuming that you're like, you know, dressed to the nines or whatever. Mm-hmm. You're like, um, I don't know, just a trim, maybe some long layers. They're like, cool, got it, great. And like, they just, yeah. but like, you don't even know what you're asking for half the time. Like, not just you, all clients. No. Go, right? Like, everybody's like, can I get a ba- balayer? Can I get a... <laughs> <laughs> like, can I try to say it? It's terrible. <laughs> they all read a word. Now it's Instagram. But, you know, at one point it was MySpace, Facebook, like <laughs> Twitter. Yeah. Everybody has read a word somewhere. Cosmo Magazine. And... They're just like, I think that's the thing that I want. So they're like, they turn to a friend that has good hair and they're like, how did you get your hair cut? What did you ask for? And they're like, long layers. And they're like, great. Okay, I'm going to ask for long layers. And they're just like, can I have long layers? And their stylist is like, sure. And then they get long layers. And like the conversation ends there for some reason. Yeah. Right? So from your perspective, this is where people are messing up. And I think, you know, the thing that I was saying before about like pictures, like if I show you a picture 
like there was a lot of like you know oh you like that haircut and that haircut okay but like what is it that wasn't mean? like deeper anything How can you translate what do you like what do you not like? Do you just like the fact that this is a model and their hair was professionally styled? That's never going to happen. hundred <laughs> percent. And a lot of the time for me, it's um like, I'll see somebody who has like a really cute hairstyle, but it's really cute because it's curly. And like for years, I didn't know that was why I was into a picture until my stylist was like, yeah, that's not the haircut. That's the curl. And I went, oh, yeah okay, that's not what I was intending. You know, it's how do I get this thing that is like the product of, you know, 8,000 different processes that are going on, not a haircut, you know? And I think, you know, you're, as a lay person, I think maybe there's a disconnect because, and like, I am like a lawyer and so I had this problem yesterday where I was saying a word that apparently only people who went to law school know. And <laughs> I think it's the same thing for hairdressers. Um, you know, it's like, there's a disconnect. Cause like, you know, as a layperson, I'm sitting there looking at this picture going, I want this hair. And as a stylist, you're like, I know the cut that creates that hairstyle. But like, you're, there's like a disconnect of like, but then you'll also have to do these 75 other things and put this product in your hair and curl your hair this way and pin it up this way and style it. And and I don't know any of that, and nor am I prepared to do this every single day. So I think you're going to cut my hair, and I'm going to go home, and it's going to look like Taylor Swift. <laughs> and fun fact, fun fact, it does not. Um, as I learned tragically many, many times trying to get Taylor Swift's hair. So, so and I think one time, I remember one time when I was um, – up in Buffalo, I went to a stylist who I wanted to get my hair um, permed, like curl, perm curl. Um, and I showed her the picture and she was like, that's not a perm, that's a curling iron. And it didn't resonate with me the way it does now. But at the time I was like, well, whatever, like just do the same thing <laughs> with a perm. Because in my... <laughs> 20 year old brain I was like yeah you just do the same thing just just do that but not with a curling iron with perming and also like let me be able to brush curls that are natural like sure that's a great idea like none of that panned out for me and I learned very quickly that was a problem but you know I don't I think maybe she could have she did give me the info I think she could have been more specific um but I think, you know, she was like the first person who ever was just like, what you want is not achievable. <laughs> but yeah. when like I pushed back, she didn't explain further. And I think that could have, that conversation could have been more direct. And I think I would have, you know, benefited from that overall. Yeah. Like she could have kind of talked to you in circles until you were like, you're giving me so much information that you must be right. Okay. Not going to question you. Thank you. Yes, yeah. exactly. Because I was just like, like just no. do it. <laughs> what really why you know yeah I mean I didn't know enough to know that there was a difference and I was like that's fine just do it anyway like I didn't know that that was problematic I didn't know that like the two things could not be done like the same way yeah I just assumed if you got a curler and you have a perm curler, it's the same thing. Just do the same thing. <laughs> just like put a curler on here and put the solution. And then put the, yes. And then like- A hundred percent is what I thought would happen. Lightning strike me. It'll be great. I'll look beautiful. 
That was a hundred percent what I thought would happen. And, and I think as I got older, I was like, oh, that, you can't do that. You're like, thank That physically you does not no work. No one did that to me. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I think, you know, that's, I was a young kid. I didn't know. And I think, you know, there was a, dis, you know, there, there was a discussion that could have gone further. And I think they just kind of gave up and didn't want to argue with me about it and just sort of, we're going to do what they were going to do. And I was going to feel how I felt about it. And that was going to be the end of it. Yeah. Yeah. Especially yeah. if you were like, a, you know, 20, it's like, oh, I don't feel like arguing with this kid. Just no. And no. <laughs> yeah. Okay. A hundred percent. So yeah. I mean, going back to kind of like sum up a little bit of what we've talked about. Uh, I'm still baffled that you saw so many people who weren't getting it right who weren't even asking the questions. I find that I'm like shocked, but not shocked. I, I don't know. I kind of, I don't have any real words for that. Um, yeah. I just think, especially with reds, they're so, it's such like a sensitive color. Um, and yeah, you know, like I've seen your hair, everything from like coppery to strawberry to peachy so like what you said before when you asked for uh, pumpkin spice and all of those yeah. are, are essentially like natural red tones and none of those are reading as warm brown or eggplant. Eggplant. Nope. Is that the purple vegetable? Yes. <laughs> yes. No, eggplant <laughs> is exactly what I used to think of. And I was like, why is it purple in the light? And my husband's like, what, are, what is going on? Like, I mean, yeah. the man who notices nothing would notice your hair looks purple in the light. Okay. <laughs> and he notices nothing. Not when his clothes don't match, not when my nails are done, not when anything happens that has anything to do with an aesthetic. Is someone who notices nothing noticing something and it's the wrong something. Yeah. Always. And so, that's what used to give me like, yeah, that, that used to freak me out entirely about going back and getting it done again. Cause I was like, oh God, if he noticed that, then everyone notices it. Yeah. And it's just incredible to me how wrong people can get it by assuming and not asking. And then how much mm -hmm. fun you can have with a natural red once it started to be right. Yeah. I mean, I've had so much fun with it since. And to be honest with you, I had so many wrong colors. It, it's surprising to me how many colors have been right. <laughs> <laughs> like a good, a good one for every bad one. And you're like, oh. Yes, nearly a good one for every bad one. And yeah. that's the scary part is that like, there was so much fun to be had in this whole other arena. Yeah. And yet nobody even entered the arena <laughs> to have fun with it. And I'm like, how, how have I been, you know, struggling along this path for so long when there were all these other colors out there I could have had? That's so funny. It's crazy. Um, so I like to end every episode on three questions. So first I need to know, how do you take your coffee? I don't drink coffee. Oh, I thought you did. Well, you drink frappuccino. I take. Don't. Yeah, that's yeah, that's coffee about it. Like, that? I like it when it tastes like dessert, and I can't taste oh, the coffee anymore. Okay, but like me too, kind of. Okay. Okay. So I take it as dessert. <laughs> I drink it as dessert. Um, when it tastes like cake. Um, 
what am I, what I major? I drink every morning. I drink a protein shake of my own creation that I have cobbled together from things I've read online. Um, it is, um, it technically is coffee, I guess. It's two shots of espresso, um, half a premier protein, peanut butter powder, cocoa powder, Lily's chocolate chips, because God forbid I don't have dessert every day in the morning first thing, and some ice. And uh, I've been having that shake every morning since like, I want to say like almost two, three years now. First off, that sounds delicious. So I think it's so good. I think you're gonna have to send me that recipe, and I'm gonna have to post it just in case anybody wants to have Megan's protein coffee. And okay. that is coffee because there's espresso in that. So there's yeah, but like you have two answers. It's you take it like dessert, or you take it in your protein shake. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Fair. So that was question one. I'm glad we got to the bottom. <laughs> I'm glad that we like roundabout answered that question. Slowly helping everybody figure out what they drink. That's <laughs> perfect. I'm glad I'm not the only person who has yeah. no idea. Uh, okay. Question two is off the top of your head. What is the worst salon experience you've ever had? Not naming names. No. It's not like I remember. Um, worst salon experience. It has to be whoever did my hair like right before my graduation, my uh, high school senior photos, because dear God, that hairstyle is by far the worst thing I've ever had in a picture. Um, and it is, it was around my face and then kind of flared out at my neck. Oh. Giving me this wonderful, like reverse urn sort of shape that made okay. my face look so slender. Light bulb? <laughs> like a light bulb. <laughs> Kind of. And it had like a weird like 60s mod flip at the bottom that I had no intention of wanting and really tried to get rid of and could not. You have a picture yeah. of that? Oh, I'm sure I do somewhere. Oh yeah, you're gonna have to send me that. Oh, it's bad. Yeah. It's real bad. I, we all can't be. And it's funny, it's like the skinniest I've ever been, and yet in my that picture, my face looks the roundest it's ever looked. <laughs> so whoever that was, um, we're thinking about you today. Yeah. Whoever, whoever gave you that. <laughs> and I hope you're well. <laughs> I hope you have the same haircut. <laughs> yes, truly. I wish you like one really epic bad hair day and then you'd be fine. <laughs> um, <laughs> and to end it on a good note, can you think of the best salon experience you've ever had? Uh, the best is probably... Um, when I went to my current stylist and we started getting ready for my wedding um, and the fact that everybody at my reception unprompted told me that I looked like Ariel, which was the entire goal from beginning to end. I had the mermaid dress. Life goals. True life goals. I wanted to be a Disney princess for a day. And I had multiple people during my reception come up to me and be like, you look just like Ariel, which was pretty much what I had wanted since I was a kid in my mom's bed, stroking her red hair, saying uh, pretty. I want to look like Ariel. Um, Princess level achieved. Yeah. And then I was like, from there, I can be any red because yeah. I've now achieved my life goal and now we can have fun. I'm going to need <laughs> you to send me a picture, a good picture of your wedding hair also. Okay. So Fair. Display. Okay. Yeah. We can show from like band. <laughs> Head to good. <laughs> the hair journey from scary to much, much, much better. Yes. Okay. Um, 
So thank you for uh, entertaining me and answering those questions. Um, <laughs> I feel like this is a super productive conversation, which I don't know, this could be like an endless discussion. I feel like I'll definitely have to have you back on for something because I'm sure there are more stories. Oh, sure. um, oh, I have a story for every hair calamity. <laughs> so uh, thank you again. Thank you for having me. This and was fun. I will talk to you soon. Big thanks once again to Megan for giving such great insight into how colorists can sometimes miss the mark by making too many assumptions and not asking enough questions. If you want to see a little into Megan's world, you can follow her on TikTok at Literature and Lyrics for her steamy book talk content and general antics. And thank you again for listening to today's episode. If you loved what you heard and want more, don't forget to rate, subscribe, and leave a review. And as always, follow me for podcast updates at Coffee and Foils Podcast on Instagram and DM me with any questions or ideas you may have. See you next Monday.